We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. coverage these last few weeks but took a little bit of time before heading out on vacation to talk some hoops um i sent you three topics earlier this week james uh best first round matchups storylines that we care about for the nba playoffs and then the most fun lottery scenarios so we're going to go right down in chronological order we're going to start with the first round matchups that either are the most intriguing or the ones that we most want to see for whatever reason so i will let you kick it off Give me one, two, three, however many you want of the first round matchups you want to see when the playoffs start next weekend. So the first one is I want to see the Lakers Clippers matchup in the first round. And um, partly I think that that like I, I want the Warriors to just get in. And so I don't I don't want the Warriors to have to play the Lakers in the play in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just think like usually there's there's not really a crazy uh, high leverage high stakes first round matchup like you can kind of um, sort of be on cruise control as a fan and you're not uh, just you don't have to be glued to the TV for every single game of every of this one series or anything like that until you get to the second third round uh, but obviously if it was Lakers Clippers in the first round that would be must see TV uh, for everyone it'd probably be like the best rated first round series you, you'd ever get. And I would want, like, you know, I think part of what would make that series great is this is sort of assuming that LeBron is kind of 
not a, a complete shell of himself for the first round. Like, I, I wouldn't want to see the Lakers get bounced just because, like, LeBron just wasn't really ready. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if everyone's, you know, semi-ready or, or even if LeBron's only, like, 85%, 90%, uh, I think that would be awesome, and I think it. I think it could happen because I think the Blazers, like the Blazers, play the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets in their final three games, and the Jazz and the Suns should be motivated to beat the Blazers and knock them out of the top six because that way they wouldn't have to play the Lakers. Um, the Suns particularly wouldn't have to play the Lakers in the first round. Well, as of right now. On Wednesday morning, the Blazers are in in fifth after Dallas got blown out by Memphis. So the Mavericks are suddenly involved in this as well. But if you look at their schedule, it's New Orleans Wednesday night. It's a a Toronto team that is basically given up on Friday. And then they finish out at, excuse me, at Minnesota on Sunday. So, I mean, Dallas's schedule is basically the complete opposite of Portland's. You would think that they'll take care of business. But, I mean, they've been, you know, kind of completely anemic the last few weeks. Um, So Dallas has kind of suddenly entered this race as well. I, I do want to ask, as far as Lakers-Clippers, is there a reason you want to see it in round one as opposed to the Western Conference Finals when there's a better chance that LeBron looks like LeBron? Well, I just want a reason to really be, you know, like I, I'm going to be watching the Western Conference Finals regardless of who's playing in it. I'm going to be mm-hmm. watching the semis, like, regardless of who's playing in it, probably for the most part. Like, I just think, you know, this is... I, I like the idea of it just being extremely high stakes right out of the gate. And the Jazz and Suns are really good. I mean, like, all these teams, other than the, like, I don't really give the Blazers much hope against uh, a real team in a seven-game series. I just think that they are going to really struggle to to stop anyone. Um, but other than that, like, I think all these teams are going to be really competitive so like i don't i don't really care if uh one of the lakers or the clippers don't make it out of the first don't make it past the first round because i think there's just so much so many other good teams that like i think it's going to be a really entertaining rest of the western conference playoffs even if one of those teams gets bounced so i just i think it'd be fun to have that that really high stakes matchup right away and just really kind of open things up with a bang so i made the case to alex on Tuesday's pod that I think the Lakers should try to get the eight seed and play Utah in round one because Donovan Mitchell has been ruled out for the rest of the regular season. He'll be coming in essentially cold having, you know, there'll be practice and whatnot, but he will have gone basically five weeks without playing in a game when round one starts. Mike Conley could very well be in that same situation. He's been out for eight or nine games, probably not going to be back for the last three. I, I think that jazz team with those guys in that situation is maybe a little bit more vulnerable than Phoenix, certainly uh, more vulnerable than, than the Clippers, who I, I think are just kind of a bad matchup that the Lakers in general don't want. Um, obviously, the Lakers, you know, getting to eight would probably require them, you know, losing to Golden State uh, or Memphis in that first play-in game and then putting themselves, you know, backs against the wall where you probably don't want to be in a situation where something crazy could happen and you lose and don't make the playoffs at all. So I don't think they do that. But the other advantage is you also would avoid the Clippers in round two. And align yourself to play Denver, Portland, or Dallas, assuming you can get past Utah in round one. Uh, and you kind of end up on that favorable side of the bracket where, you know, that leaves Phoenix probably playing the Clippers in round two. I mean, I think you're, you're, you, everything you just said makes a ton of sense to me. I just, yeah, I think you're 
wait a minute, you kind of alluded to it. I can't picture the Lakers actually uh, willfully putting themselves in that position of mm-hmm. having to win to get into the B the eight seed. Like I think that they obviously sort of think they're above that. They're they're above the play in tournament and they just want to avoid like I think their number one goal is just avoiding the play in tournament, which I mean there's merits to that as well, obviously. I mean you get that extra rest for those guys. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the biggest thing. I don't think they're necessarily worried about getting knocked out. Although I, I don't think it's a it's a guarantee that they would just roll over the Warriors when when you have a player like Steph on the other side and and LeBron maybe being at seventy or eighty percent. Um, but but getting away from the Lakers, what other first round series do you have on your list that would be intriguing? Yeah, so as you said, like before we started recording, like there's a lot of this is still very much up in the air, um, but. As we were mentioning, like I kind of think the Blazers probably lose at least one game, maybe two games, and the Mavs have a pretty easy schedule. And I love the idea of the Mavs getting to five and playing the Nuggets in a four-five matchup with Jokic versus Doncic. Like I think that would just mm-hmm. be uh, an awesome, like extremely entertaining series to watch because you're not going to see you're not going to see much defense at all, really, but you're going to see just brilliant offense on on both ends and and maybe arguably two the the two best offensive players in the league right now going head to head yeah that was on my list as well i think those are two teams that to me have a pretty defined ceiling i would be surprised if either team is in the western conference finals and and obviously the finals um you know dallas has has some issues with that roster porzingis has been in and out Uh, alex and i touched on that you know in depth yesterday just on you know, what is that situation going forward with Porzingis? Like his health is probably not going to improve uh, as he moves, you know, closer from 25 to 30 over these next few years. And then obviously Denver would know Jamal Murray uh, kind of in a similar boat. But yeah, as far as, far as just four or five series go in, in the Western Conference, when you can get, you know, two of the, you know, five to eight best individual players in the entire NBA matched up against each other, I, I think that's a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. Like we we're not expecting either of these teams to go on a run. So this would just sort of be their sort of highlight of the playoffs is, mm-hmm. you know, I would expect that series to go seven probably. And it would just be a ton of fun. And right. uh, both those teams, I mean, both those teams are going to be heard from in future years uh, one way or another. I mean, they're, those two stars are just too good. And as the Nuggets get healthier and everything like, so that, they'll have, chances to to make real runs at things in future years but this would just be a really nice fun first round matchup it feels to me like the stakes are a little bit higher for dallas because denver has the built-in excuse of look we lost our second best player to a devastating injury a month before the end of the season you know there really are no expectations for the nuggets and and that's fair And, and you know with dallas i don't think anyone really sees this team as a title contender you know they basically ran it back with last year's team you know you have some okay role players that you feel you feel good about but it feels like they still need a better number two or, or certainly a better number three behind the, the Doncic Porzingis duo. And I, I think if they, you know, if they lose in round one, whether it's to the Clippers or the Nuggets or the Blazers, I, I think that maybe is at least like a minor wake up call that something needs to change around Doncic, even though we're only on what year three of his career. Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to be pretty aggressive in free agency this off season. Uh, I think this is kind of their, I think this is sort of their last chance to really sign someone big before Doncic extension kind of kicks in. So um, I know they've been sort of floated as like a, maybe Alonzo Ball 
suitor. Um, you know, maybe they can get creative with some sort of trade of Porzingis, but I, I just think he's kind of damaged goods at this point, so you, you probably can't move on from him. But, um, I mean, Doncic, to me, like, the, the Porzingis thing sucks. Like, I mean, him him just being unavailable more often than not, it seems, come this time of year is, is, is a big bummer. But if, you know, if Doncic just kind of continues on this track, I think he'll just be good enough where you're, you're getting home court in the first round most years, even if the supporting cast isn't amazing. So looking at the East, uh, Milwaukee-Miami, I think, is pretty far and away the, the most appealing potential first-round matchup. I, I think the three teams at the top, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, uh, you know, there, there's a bigger gap between those three and the rest of the playoff teams in that conference uh, compared to the Western Conference. And part of that is you have the Lakers lurking you know, in sixth, seventh, or eighth, and, and having a team like that in the bottom half of the bracket is inherently kind of going to spice things up. But, uh, you know, Brooklyn, I think, is going to roll over, whether it's Boston or Charlotte. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, probably going to roll over Washington, Indiana, Charlotte, whatever team finishes eighth. But, you know, if we do end up with Bucks heat, which as of right now, with, with the heat winning uh, in Boston the other night, and the Knicks losing in overtime last night to the Lakers. Right now, we would have Bucks Knicks, which which would be a fine series. You know, it's been a fun year for Julius Randle, but getting that Bucks Heat rematch in round one, I think, would be a ton of fun because you know Milwaukee has come back. I think maybe better prepared for the playoffs, but they haven't been as dominant in the regular season. And I think the prevailing narrative is going to be: Look, we thought Milwaukee was going to roll to the finals last year, and Miami. You know, it, two games into that series, it was clear. You know, the Heat had their number. And even though Miami has never fully put it together, it feels like this entire season, there's still going to be that that belief in the back of your mind. Like, you know, we saw this team, which is basically the exact same roster, completely dismantle Milwaukee a year ago. And even though the Bucks have won six or seven more games than Miami, um, I, I don't I don't know. Like if that's if that's the three six, I think you can kind of throw the seating out the window. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to see that matchup. Um as a Bucks fan? Uh, it, it, oh, no. Well, yeah. And and also, it's just the Heat uh, the heat play Giannis defensively in a way where it just kind of leads to just ugly basketball on that end of the court. Like, you're just – it's not very aesthetically pleasing to watch uh, the Bucks offense go against the Heat defense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that would be a extremely competitive series. What about Washington, Brooklyn? I think that's probably Nets in four, maybe Nets in five. But the Russ KD factor and just you know the fact that Washington conceivably could have the two best offensive players uh, in, in pretty much any series on any given night. Um, now, when you're talking about the opponent being Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, maybe that's not as realistic. But if we're going to get a 1-8 kind of rollover series, I would prefer that we see, or I guess this would probably be a 2-7. I'd prefer that it be Brooklyn, Washington instead of Brooklyn, Charlotte, or, or Brooklyn, Boston. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I wish that. I wish that it could be like a, a tiny bit more competitive because I just I kind of get the sense that the Nets would really be in complete control in in all those games, and that we wouldn't really have any high leverage moments at the end, um, mm-hmm. which is when the the drama really ramps up with a with a Russell Westbrook team that's just kind of seeing how the, those final few minutes play out. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think 
the Wizards. The Wizards will make for very entertaining TV as long as the game's close. I just am afraid that those games wouldn't really be very close. I think that's a, a completely fair concern, uh, given the team that we're dealing with, uh, especially on the defensive end, although they have been better uh, you know, over the last few months compared to that disastrous start to the year. Do you have any others on your list? Um, well, if, if I was gonna, I was just going to say that if the seven seed in the West ends up being a like a, a, a good team, like a, to some degree, like whether it's the Blazers or the Lakers or whoever, uh, I I am interested to see this Suns team just get tested in the playoffs right away. Like I, I think that they are. Um, there's there's sort of a fear it seems kind of around the league that maybe they're kind of paper tigers and they're uh, maximizing the regular season, but they don't really have another gear to get to in the playoffs. That's kind of been something that's followed Chris Paul throughout his career is just, you know, he, he's awesome in the regular season, but doesn't have that next level to get up in, in the playoffs really. And so I think if the Suns played a, a real team and that, that two, seven matchup out West, I think that they could maybe be on upset alert. I, I wouldn't expect them to, to lose unless it was a, a healthy Lakers team, but, um, I, I I do think one of these teams like the Blazers or the Mavs or someone could could really push them in the first round. Seeing the Lakers is the disaster scenario, right? And I think statistically that's probably the most likely outcome at this point uh, with with a few games left in the regular season. I, I mean the Lakers would be favored in that series, right? Oh yeah. Especially eliminating you know having to go on the road um, for a potential game seven you know it just it's just not going to be the same type of environment yeah I, I mean I, I don't know how heavily the Lakers would be favored I think part of that depends on how LeBron looks over these next few games starting tonight against Houston but I don't you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of people that are saying like yes Phoenix and five well they would be favored by Vegas because everyone right. would be betting on the Lakers. I mean, I, maybe statistically, like if you're just running projections or something, it might be a lot closer than, than the lines would be on the series. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's really hard to know mm-hmm. how healthy LeBron is going to be. The world is coming back and the NFL season is nearly upon us. Just a few short months away. I don't know about you, but I am pumped. For the regular season to finally arrive we had the draft in april the schedule release in may if you're like me and you're looking to see the action live then head on over to vivid seats the ultimate go-to source for live events from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and comedy shows vivid seats makes it easy for you to discover your favorite event find your seat gain entry and make new memories all you have to do is download the app choose your city and gain access to the largest selection of tickets on the games and performances you love including the NFL, MLB, NBA, and many more. For a limited time, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners 10% off your ticket. That's up to $30 max. All you have to do is use the promo code ROTOWIRE, that's R-O-T-O-W-I-R-E, when you check out. Every purchase is backed by its 100% buyer guarantee, and you'll even earn cash back with the Vivid Seats rewards program. Vivid Seats, getting you into the game. Let's move to the storylines that we actually care about as the playoffs begin to coalesce. And again, it's, it's tough because with, you know, less what five days left in the regular season, we still have so much up for grabs in terms of seeding and, and which teams are ultimately going to play, which teams in round one and how the bracket is going to shape up. But, you know, this is something that, that we kind of alluded to already. 
the first thing I have on my list is as of right now, the bracket is breaking in the in the favor of the Los Angeles Clippers, where it looks like they're going to, um, you know, end up probably avoiding the Lakers in round one um, as they look destined to to get the seven or the eight, uh, depending on what happens with Portland and Dallas here. And, you know, I, I, they're, they're, they're just on course, I think, to to be in a really good spot, despite being the three seed right now. Um, what happens if they don't take advantage for a second straight year? You know, with, kind of midway through the year, uh, there, there were some hints that, that Kawhi Leonard does want to re-sign with the Clippers. There's been very little drama of uh, considering uh, he is able to leave after this season. It's kind of just an assumption that he will stay. But, I mean, if they're knocked out in, in say, round two for the second straight year, you know, what is the path forward for a Clippers team that is paying like $150 million to Luke Kennard and, and Marcus Morris over the next four years? Yeah, I mean, one of my one of my storylines was just the Clippers, um, not necessarily your hypothetical of them getting bounced early, but just sort of what happens, you know, I mean, like they like I can't wait to see some really close games, um, maybe an elimination game and just sort of see how Paul George performs and and see, you know, what Kawhi Leonard does. And um, they're just such a unique team because they they just rely on jump shots. Like they just rely on kind of creating a, a mid range jumpers is pretty much how they're going to try to beat you at the end of the, at the end of the game. And uh, like they don't run a ton of pick and roll. They don't do a ton of movement and stuff like that. Um, so I, I just think that when the, the going gets tough and the chips are down, I just am really fascinated to see if, if we see a repeat of last year, because, I mean, really, like, if it weren't for last year, I think it would be extremely trendy to say the Clippers are the favorites to win the finals this year. And I, nobody really seems to have the balls to say that based mm-hmm. on how they lost last year. But uh, they're, I mean, they're pretty healthy. They're uh, extremely talented. And they've got, like, Kawhi Leonard's, like, a proven championship player. And um, they're just going to be really fascinating to see how they perform if if they do get bounced early um you know i i guess they i guess they probably just run it back um Kawhi could maybe consider miami um maybe he yeah. could consider you know it's, i mean there, there's there's going to be other options to him he could he could go back to toronto like i, I think yeah. i mean detroit's gonna have cap room <laughs> If I were if I were Kawhi and the and the the Clippers get bounced this year and Paul George wilts again on on the big stage, I would I would legitimately uh, be kind of weighing Toronto versus Miami as where I wanted to go next because mm-hmm. uh, they're the Clippers are just in a terrible position to get better and um yeah I mean the the Morris contract the Canard contract like they're really kind of sort of stuck with what they have right now. So if, if I'm Kawhi, like, and I have the freedom to, to get out of there, um, if it, if it kind of looks like they don't have the pieces, that's what I would do. But he obviously, you know, few players have made, gone to greater lengths to force their way or to go to a situation than Kawhi has to, to get to LA. So for him to bail after two years, I, I don't know if, I don't even know if that's a possibility in his mind. He might just be already made up that he's, that he's sticking around. I haven't talked to Uncle Dennis in in a while. Uh, he hasn't he hasn't returned my my Slack messages. But 
I, I want to throw another team out there, the Knicks. I, I, the New York Knicks are a, a suddenly a much more... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. For appealing destination, I think, for, for a player like that. Yeah. Compared yep. to this time last year. Yeah. Now, Kawhi and Tom Thibodeau, that, that's a kind of oil and water type of marriage in terms of how they would approach playing time and stuff like that in the regular season. But uh, I don't know if Kawhi is necessarily the type of guy that you would see go to the Knicks, but I think the Knicks are certainly back on the map in terms of where the next big star player might want to go. How far do the Clippers have to make it for for us to avoid this kind of conversation? You know, like it is is losing to the Lakers, let's say in the West Finals, if, if that, you know, is a possibility like, is, is that enough to, you know, losing to the Nets in the finals, would that be considered a success? Um, you know, part of it has to do with, with you know, let's say they do lose in round two, but Kawhi tweaks his knee and, you know, that's kind of the end of it. Like, it, it depends how it happens, of course, yeah. but like where, what, what's the cutoff where you say like, this was successful enough that we should run it back? I just think it, it's like you said, it's, it's how it happens. Like, I think they could mm-hmm. lose in the second round. They could lose in the Western Conference finals. They could lose in the finals as long as they lose and it wasn't like a choke job like last year, <laughs> then, then I think it's fine. Like if, if they lose to a full strength Lakers team, even if, even if Kawhi is healthy and Paul George is healthy, if they go to seven games against the Lakers and just lose and the better team won, I, I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. If they lose to the Nets in that fashion in the finals, I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of, but um what would be a disaster is them losing a series where they were favored and there not being any injuries to blame it on. All right. What other storylines do you have on your list? So kind of the Eastern conference version of the Clippers to me is sort of just Giannis and like, is this the playoffs where Giannis breaks through as a guy who is the best player in big playoff series? And um, there have been flashes of that, obviously, this regular season with the, the two Nets wins, but then uh, they go out and lose a, a pretty big game against the Spurs earlier this week. Um, you know, we're we're going to see whoever it is, whether it's the Heat or the Nets, you know, Giannis is going to have a lot of jump shots to make, a lot of wide open looks. He's going to have a lot of free throws to make. Um, can he make enough of those shots to kind of get this monkey off his back and and sort of emerge as a guy that can be a winning playoff player and, and take down big teams in the playoffs as the best player in the series? Like, I think that that's like we could easily in 
in three months be talking about Giannis as the clear best player in the league. And we could easily in three months be talking about like what what do the Bucks do like going forward? Is is this just a thing where like Bud has to get fired and uh, there needs to be a scapegoat because Giannis has kind of come up short three seasons in a row in the playoffs? Um, like I'm just really kind of fascinated to see where this goes. If the Bucks don't make the finals, I think Bud is gone. That to me is a foregone conclusion. That that's almost been clear. I think like, like he was kind of on the fence after last year and they opted to bring him back. And I, I think that's like the implied caveat is like, you you know, this has to work this time or we are making a change because even if they wanted to make a change roster wise, there's not a whole lot you can do. You know what? You're not going to trade Giannis. You're, you're probably not trading Chris Middleton. You just signed Drew Holiday to an extension. You know, maybe you could you could shake something up with like your four or five guy, you know, Brooke Lopez, DiVincenzo, things like that. But you really don't have a path to we're going to go acquire a different superstar or, or try a different fit. Like this, this is the team. So if you're making a change, it has to be front office or coaching. Um, so I'm, I'm totally with you on that. The nice thing is this doesn't, it no longer feels like finals or bust, like win the ring or bust or Giannis is leaving. Like Giannis signing that Supermax back in the winter was massive as far as just what it means for this franchise being able to relax and take a multi-year approach. It doesn't mean there, there still isn't plenty of urgency, but I mean, you, you imagine like what the pressure would be if if Giannis hadn't signed that. Well, I yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I just think that if they lose, um, if if they lose a series and Giannis is not the best player in that series, then I just think the talk of like he's not, he's not going anywhere. But I just think there's just going to be such a lack of respect for him the way that he gets spoken about like in mm-hmm. the media and just among players. And like, if, if they just lose again, whether it's to the heat, really any team, if, if somebody on the other team is the best player in the series and Giannis is not, and they lose, like, I just think everyone's just going to kind of paint him with this brush of just, this is a guy that, yeah, they're, they're great in the regular season. We know they're going to fold in the playoffs. Like they always do like that. You already kind of hear that a little bit, but I think people are kind of giving him one more year to kind of change that narrative. But I, I do think it's like, I, I think it's legitimately possible that they win the finals and do it in kind of convincing fashion. And he just puts on a, a total show and like, he could, he could shoot like 35% from three this playoffs and, and win finals MVP, like that's on the table too. So I just, I think there's just such a huge gap in the potential outcomes for him this, this playoffs. So let's say they do flame out in round two. Would would all that criticism that you're talking about, which I I think would 100% happen from the Kendrick Perkinses of the world, would that in some way be fair at this point, or is it still too early to to start lobbing that? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think it, I think it would be. Um, I mean, we'd have to sort of see exactly how it happens. You know, like I think it it would totally be fair if. There are just a bunch of fourth quarters, like final two minutes of the games, where they're just really ugly offensive possession after ugly offensive possession, and that's how they get bounced. Like I, I totally think it would be fair at that point. So one thing I have on my list uh, is this: the most wide open that the league or the playoffs have been in at least ten years, possibly more. Yeah, I mean, like. Last year seemed pretty wide open, but that was sort of weird. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, I, I think uh, 
partly, I mean, partly it's just Harden and LeBron being hurt. Because if, if, like, if LeBron never gets hurt and Harden's been healthy here for a couple weeks, then I don't really think people view it as that wide open. But just those those two injuries specifically have kind of cracked that door for, for a bunch of teams. I think that's completely fair. And that's obviously a big reason why it is wide open. And I think we would have two very heavy favorites in each conference. I think the Nets especially, uh, if those guys were healthy. And, and hopefully they are. And, and maybe that's the matchup that we ultimately get. Uh, I look back, there's only been one sub four seed and it was Miami last season to make the finals since the eight seed Knicks made it in 1999 and, and lost to the Spurs. So like last year you can kind of throw out in, in, in some ways, just because of the circumstances. I mean, the Lakers have a very good chance to be that team this year and it wouldn't be a true, you know, seven or eight seed making the finals just because of the injuries, but having a team like that on the bottom half of the bracket, I, I think just adds a completely different element. Um, and, and since 2008, only three times have we not had, a single one seed involved in the finals. It was 2011, 2012, um, and, and 2019 when the Rockets were actually the one over the Warriors when, when they played Toronto. So almost always we end up getting a one seed. I I think, you know, if you just said like gun to my head, does is there a one seed in this finals? I don't know that there is. No, I, I would actually bet a lot of money that there won't be a one seed in this finals. So Yeah, so that would be probably Philly and Utah. I, I don't think either yeah. of those teams are making the finals. I, I actually... I, I kind of low-key like Philly's chances just because of the fact that they're probably going to only have to get through one of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Actually, they'll for sure only have to get through one of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. So, you know, maybe th- there's something that happens in that, you know, that series, whether they play the Nets or the Bucks, where, you know, there's an injury or, or, or maybe they just straight up beat them. That's also a possibility. But yeah, I, I don't like Utah's chances to get there. And, and I would definitely pick Brooklyn and I think Milwaukee over Philly straight up in a series. To me, Philly would be massive underdogs to either Brooklyn or Milwaukee, unless yeah. there's like a major injury there. Like, like if massive, if one, if one of Brooklyn's big three is unavailable, or one of Milwaukee's big three is unavailable, then it could become a series. But I just, you know, the the Ben Simmons thing, um, like I just, I think it's just going to be a huge problem at the at the highest level of the playoffs. The last thing I have on my list that I want to get to is this Chris Paul's last great chance to get a ring or at least make a finals. Uh, I, you know, I just don't know. Cause I don't know where he's going to be next year. And like, if he, like, I'm like odds are he, he will be a little bit worse next year than he is than he was this year but I just I don't think that that's a given and I think like if he if the Suns are able to just run it back they'll probably be better next year than they were this year um if he goes to the Knicks or something like that then then I think that this would have been a better chance than that but um yeah I'm not I'm not ready to I'm not ready to say for sure it will be I mean I, I think the Suns are probably the team I'm kind of pulling for a little bit. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like a lot of the teams in the West, but I, I definitely would like to see Chris Paul at least get to like the conference finals or something like that this year. 
I, I should have mentioned the caveat that like his last great chance to like lead a team to the finals, because I, like you said, there's, there's a pretty good chance. He's still a very good, like third team, all NBA player next year, the way that he's been able to kind of reverse these injury trends late in his career. The very few guys have, have ever done that. So I, I don't think he's going to fall off the cliff necessarily, but at, at some sure, point he's sure. going to slow down. Yeah. And I, I think there's a chance that, you know, he latches on with a really good team as like a 38 year old and, and gets a Jason Kidd type of ring. Like that's definitely in play. Um, mm-hmm. But all the things that we've talked about with, you know, the Lakers having these injury concerns, the Jazz starting backcourt missing multiple weeks before the playoffs start, the Clippers being the Clippers, you know, Jamal Murray getting hurt. Like, it, it just feels like the Suns are, are arguably, I don't know if they're the most complete team, but like they're the team that is entering the playoffs with the fewest red flags to me. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, in his head, it's this is a great opportunity, right? Like he's looking around the landscape and noticing those same things. And um, yeah, I mean, that that's actually, that's a really good point. Like even if the Suns are like a little bit better next year than they are right now, you would expect one of these other teams to be at full strength and be like a clear favorite or something like that. It, it's tough to imagine the Suns having a, a clear shot to get to the finals than they do this year. Exactly. And even with Brooklyn's injury concerns right now, which maybe by the time we get to July are, are our moot point, but you know, it's, it's not like there's just like complete juggernaut on the other side. And, and I think next year, if the Nets run it back with this roster and, and they don't have this crazy bad injury luck, you know, they're going to be a team that's going to get, be really, really tough to get past for, for every team in the East mm-hmm. and for whatever team ends up representing the West. Do you have any other storylines you want to get to before we talk lottery? Now let's let's do lottery. Okay, so I'm on Tankathon right now. I hit Sim Lottery, and the top three are the New Orleans Pelicans, who jumped up eight spots, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who jumped up four spots, and the Sacramento Kings, who jumped up seven spots. It feels like we never get that level of carnage on actual lottery night. Like when you're sitting on Tankathon, you can you can hit Sim Lottery five times and get five insane results, and even with the smooths odds. Um, it, it still feels like we haven't had like a completely chaotic lottery yet. Maybe this will be the year. Um, but I, let, let's, let's talk through like, what would be the most fun lottery scenario? What would be the most boring, like anything you want to hit on as we talk about some of these really bad teams that are probably going to be off the radar for the most part, you know, during the playoffs. Yeah. So I've, I've five scenarios, um, that I think would be really fun and there's a chance that like none of them happen, but um like when i when i look at like what would be fun what would be fun for the lottery like a team like houston or detroit like that's just been poorly run for a long time like and like them winning the lottery or getting a top pick like that doesn't really do anything for me like you kind of expect that to happen but it's just kind of like whatever um the the first two scenarios that i think would be awesome are scenarios that involve one team getting two top five picks and one of those would be the thunder uh they would get their own top five pick um and then they would also get uh pick number five if houston were to get pick number five and houston has uh a 48 percent chance of picking fifth I believe if I'm reading that right on Tankathon. Correct. And so so that's that's a basically a fifty percent chance right there of getting the fifth pick if you're OKC. 
And then OKC themselves have like a 50% chance of picking in the top four. So you basically have like a 25% chance that the Thunder have two top five picks. Right. And I mean, we should note this is implied, but if the pick falls sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever, like they still get it. It's, it's just top four protected for Houston. So the best case scenario for OKC is picking first and fifth. That's in play. Um, but you could also have, you know, second and sixth or first and seventh, like any anything below four that that pick rolls over. And, you know, in, in this draft, I, I think, you know, you want to obviously be in that top five, but um, it would be devastating for Houston to have this season. They were basically the first team. <laughs> they were the first team to start tanking, right? Like we've seen yeah. Detroit, Cleveland, Toronto, uh, obviously the Thunder themselves have turned on the tank over the last couple of months. But I mean, Houston was well ahead of this. They were doing this back in January. Yeah, and I mean, I I guess, you know, credit where credit is due for them sort of recognizing what was in their best interest and getting this aggressive to give themselves the best chance possible of keeping that pick. Uh, but I I think Oklahoma City's been much better run, uh, so I, I think it'd be more fun if OKC got two top five picks and if Houston got one and OKC got one. And I just think it would be, like, these top five players are so transcendent that getting two of them on the same team to me is really appealing because then you just that's your young core right there and they're on the exact same uh, time frame and everything like that and the team in the eastern conference that would have a chance of getting two top five picks is the orlando magic because they could get uh their own pick which you know they've got like a little bit less than a 50 percent chance of landing in the top five i think and then if chicago lands at five um that would go to orlando i believe from the usevich trade so and that's top what is that top four protected i want to say top four protected this year and their 2022 pick is also top four protected yeah, so I'm I'm basically rooting for either the Rockets or the Bulls to on lottery night end up at five, so that, that pick goes to another team uh, who could potentially have two picks in the top five. So I have written down. I'm not even sure that it matters who wins the lottery. I, I think it matters who makes the right pick. Much like this past year, it, it wasn't necessarily this massive advantage to pick number one um, because you know, obviously the the best player as of right now by a wide margin went number three. I, I think we could have that scenario again where I really like Cade Cunningham. I really like Jalen Suggs. You know, everybody likes Jalen Green, uh, Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kaminga are, are kind of the big five in this draft. I Maybe, maybe that'll change before we get to the draft in July. But it, to me, it doesn't really feel like there's this ultra clear number one where, you know, picking number two is a massive disadvantage compared to picking number one. No, no. I mean, the... The easiest spot to pick is five. Um, it's it's harder. I mean, the way that I've, I've just heard so many people say that, like, Cade Cunningham is just this slam dunk, like, number one. Like, that's that's who's going number one, no matter who has it, like, all that stuff. I don't even necessarily know if that's wrong in terms of the likelihood that that's where he'll go. But I do think, like, if you were to say Cade Cunningham versus the field of those other four, I would bet at least one or two of those guys ends up being better than Cade Cunningham because to me, they're all just so close. And some of that will just be which situation they go to developmentally and all that stuff. But right. like 
Cade Cunningham's the worst athlete of these five. And I don't think that's debatable at all. Like he's maybe significantly the worst athlete of the five. So like that, to have that guy be the undisputed number one guy to me is kind of a little odd. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be, you know, picking second, picking third. Does whoever is picking one have the confidence to not take Cunningham? Like this is where being a general manager, uh, decision maker, you know, talent evaluator, like it doesn't really get much more high stakes than this. I would bet that by the time we get to June and July, there's a there's a much hotter debate over who goes number one. It happens almost every year, unless there's an Anthony Davis or a LeBron James sitting there. You know, even even there, like there's always somebody who emerges as a favorite, like at the end of the college season, and it's very rare that they're just wire to wire the guy. Like there's there's going to be some dissension, and it's partially going to depend which teams you know end up picking one, two, three. One thing I also have on my list. Would it even be fun for Minnesota to win the lottery again? No, no, no. So no. I mean, I, I, I had three more outcomes I liked. One of them was the Warriors getting that pick, just because like I, yep. I'm not ready for like I don't think they should be rewarded for really botching the the second pick last year. But I mean, the Timberwolves have botched plenty of things recently as well. So neither of them really deserves that pick. But I just I don't want this Warriors run to end just yet and so getting a, another high-end player would be great for them um i i do think it would be great if the raptors got a top five pick as well um they i feel like they almost deserve a top five pick just for having to play in in uh, tampa bay um and you know they they have that that nucleus and it, it's kind of a young core um minus lowry uh, where if, if they get a top five pick and that player is kind of ready in a year or two, that that'd be pretty fun too. Yeah, I think I think the most fun team, most fun teams, I should say, to either win the lottery or jump from that seven to ten range into the top three or four would be uh, Toronto, New Orleans, and and like you said, Golden State, which you know, they can't go any higher than four, or Minnesota keeps that pick. But the other thing too is like if Golden State ends up picking four or five, you, a trade is very much on the table there too. I mean, a team like you know, let's say Cleveland falls or um, Detroit falls, like, you know, they might be looking to to trade up and, and and get one of those younger guys. Obviously, those teams don't have a ton of super appealing pieces that the Warriors would be interested in, but you can at least shop around, you know, that number four pick um, because this is this is kind of the final asset. You know, if, if it were to transfer this year, um, this would be the final asset from that trade. The other side of the coin is if Minnesota picks in the top three and keeps the pick, all of a sudden, you have Minnesota's unprotected pick completely in 2022, which, based on what we know about the Minnesota Timberwolves and how strong the West once again projects to be next year, I I almost feel like you'd rather have that. I well, I think you would. I think you'd rather have four or five this year than that, but I think you'd rather have that unprotected than six or lower. Yes. I think that's a perfect way to put it. Um, because again, with the, with the smooth lottery odds, like even if the Wolves are the worst team next year, it's not like you're guaranteed to pick number one. But at the same time, like like let's say Minnesota wins the lottery this year, keeps the pick, takes Cade Cunningham. Like do you, do you is adding Cade Cunningham to this 22 win roster? They're 25 games under 500 right now. Does, does adding Cade Cunningham to that all of a sudden make you think that they're going to be a, a borderline playoff team? I would be stunned if they were not back in the lottery. Like they might be, they might be near the 
top of the lottery, bottom of the lottery, however you want to phrase it. Like they might be like a team that wins like 36 games or something like that. Uh, but no, I mean that they, it would be a, it would be a long shot for them to finish in the top eight in the West next year. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I mean, there's just, that would be such a tough team to coach. <laughs> like having uh, the the three guys, the three ball dominant guys they have right now, plus you add in a primary ball handler to that mix. Like, I, I don't know how you, how you coach that team. Um, and the, the, the last team that I think would be really, really fun, but they have like a 2% chance of picking in the top five would be the, the Grizzlies. Like, yep. I think that they are just, they've been really, really good in the draft picking much lower than this. But if, if they just got incredibly lucky and were able to get that second superstar to pair with John Morant, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, I had that on my list too. It's a possibility. I mean, if you hit some lottery enough times, they're going to jump up uh, eventually. Sacramento is also in that category for me, but they're all, they also don't deserve it. Like they're they're kind of like bordering on Minnesota territory where it's like they shouldn't be rewarded for that's, anything that they've done. That's why I have that's why I don't really want New Orleans to win it is I just don't think they deserve it mm-hmm. and I kind of want Zion to just get out of there. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I have nothing against the the franchise in general, but yeah, the, the mismanagement um, has really been frustrating, especially when it when it leads to you still landing players like AD and Zion, you know, in the same decade. Um, I mean, for me, like, and I think this is the case for most people. It's it's more fun when like a, a team that at least has something going for it, you know, gets the number one pick or gets the number two pick. Like even though New Orleans and Sacramento and and even like Toronto, like those teams like don't necessarily quote unquote deserve it, but it'd be a heck of a lot more fun to put Cade Cunningham on a team that can compete for something right away. Whereas the teams that need the number one pick the most Detroit, Orlando, Cleveland, like those are like the least appealing scenarios for me. Yeah. Like Detroit, Detroit and Cleveland specifically stand out as like, I just don't want to have to watch this team anyway. And so putting some awesome young prospect on these teams is just kind of annoying because we know that they're not going to emerge as a title contender or anything like that. So you're just sending that prospect to purgatory. I also hate the Pistons uniforms so much that Kate Cunningham or Jalen Suggs or Evan Mobley would just look super lame in a Pistons uniform. And that's a big part of it for me. That's a huge part. I also, I mean, I think the Cavs uniforms are terrible too. I I know that you maybe like them a little bit more than I do just out of, um, I might, Kind of uh, just, you know, I, I, I just don't think those are good good uniforms. I mean, there's there there's a weird correlation between really bad teams and really bad uniforms. I wonder, what, I wonder what that's all about. Yeah, Orlando, certainly. Uh, I mean, Houston, I've never been a huge fan of theirs. They've obviously taken a dive. That that doesn't seem like a coincidence to me. It's a, yeah, maybe it's a competitive advantage. It's a, it's a, something that these teams should maybe consider. Yeah, we're, we're going to see Detroit come out and just like, red pennies next year and then in an attempt to tank their way all right let's end with this james give me your updated finals prediction i want which teams are are in the finals and who wins in how many games oh man um all right i think i think the clippers come out of the west um i I'm brave enough to pick. I'm brave enough to pick the Clippers, even after last year. Uh, I think. Thank you for thank you for your service. I look. I'm 
I'm just braver than most people. I am willing to pick the Clippers. Um, I think, like, Paul George, Paul George, like, sneakily has a lot on the line of, um, in these playoffs because the last time we saw him in the playoffs, he was hitting the side of the backboard. Um, he needs to, I mean, and, and he's talented. Like, he's had an awesome season. He's had, like, a second-team All-NBA caliber season, so – He's obviously talented enough to put those demons behind him and and really help them them get there. And obviously, we know Kawhi. So uh, I'm going to pick the Clippers. I just think that they're and I, I think Ty Lue is a good playoff coach. Um, the East, oh man, I I think if the Bucks can avoid like if the Bucks have to go through Miami, Brooklyn, and Philly all in a row, I just don't think. I don't think it happens, but if the Bucks can get New York or Atlanta in the first round, uh, I think I would take the Bucks. I think that they are uh, a team kind of on a mission right now. Like they've been approaching the regular season the right way. I think Drew Holiday has another level that he's going to get to in terms of his intensity defensively in the playoffs, that is just going to be um, a big time game changer for them in, in a lot of these matchups. And I think uh, Giannis, the strides he's made as a free throw shooter and uh, in his sort of mid range game, like he, he knows exactly what every defense is trying to do to him right now. And I think he's just very, like he's he sort of understands the game better than he ever has, and he understands what it's going to take in the playoffs better than he ever has. So uh, I'm going to pick Bucks Clippers with the caveat that if the Bucks do end up having to play the Heat in the first round, I would change that to Nets Clippers. And who wins the Bucks Clippers series? Uh. <laughs> um. Yeah, sorry to hit you with such a gotcha question here. Yeah, that that is a gotcha <laughs> question. Uh, I'm gonna say the Bucks. I mean, I I just think that they they can play when they go big. Like I, I just don't think there's anything the Clippers can really do with that, and they can go small and be just fine as well. So I'll, I'll say the I'll say the Bucks, and I. And fine with being called a homer um, by everyone who listened to the end of this podcast. I think you laid out a great argument. I I am now inclined to to take the Bucks uh, maybe over Brooklyn. I, I still I, I have to side with the Nets in, until Harden's hamstring fails him or or you know Durant tweaks his knee or whatever it is. Like if that team's healthy, they're not losing. I think we've we've almost lost sight of just how much talent they've been able to stockpile because they've only played seven games together. So I'm not moving off the Nets, but I think Nets Bucks is going to be a war in, in round two. And I, I would not be shocked if Milwaukee is able to pull it off. I, I I hate kind of buying into or even like giving attention to, to narratives like this, but there is something to being being humbled the way that Milwaukee and Giannis were last year. And I, I don't think they needed a wake up call because they probably had that the previous year against Toronto, but I think they're just they're not going to let that happen again. You know, if, if they do play Miami in round one, it's gonna, you know, the only thing you're going to be thinking about is what happened last season and making sure that doesn't happen again. So, you know, I, I don't know if it's just one of those things where it's a process and you have to fail three or four times before you finally break through. But 
like you said, they've they've attacked the regular season completely differently. They're willing to concede losing some games if it means experimenting with things, uh, especially defensively. I, I think they're they're in a really good spot right now, and I think they've they've been able to fly under the radar during the regular season, which is a complete contrast to how they've handled the last two. And and obviously that came back to bite them when it really mattered. Yeah, and and the my caveat about them playing the Heat, like I think they would beat the Heat. Like I, I just think that they they're too talented uh, this year to to go down to that Heat team, and they obviously know like the Heat can't really. The Bucks had kind of figured it out once the series was already kind of too far gone to to really come back. But uh, it's more just about to. yeah, it's it's more just about the physical toll of having to beat that Heat team and then go into that Nets series. Like I think that that might be too much to ask. And I mean the. Uh, the, a guy we haven't even mentioned once on the pod that I think it's just going to be fascinating to see how his playoffs go is Kyrie Irving. Pat Connaughton. Yeah. <laughs> that was very true. Uh, like, like Kyrie could be a legend. Like he could, I mean, Kyrie could go for, he could either make another like finals winning shot basically for the nets and get another ring or he could be the guy that like shoots them out of a game seven or something like that. Like there's just all kinds of ways this could go for Kyrie. That is true that I can talk all I want about how much talent the Nets have stockpiled, but two of the three guys that they, that they've stockpiled here, um, obviously Kyrie has his ring, but there, there are plenty of questions there, you know, as far as, you know, like, like you said, shot selection, decision-making at the end of games. And then you have fair or not, like one of like the great modern playoff chokers, you know, in the NBA, a guy who's a, a perennial MVP candidate, but has come up, you know, vastly short in the playoffs. It's not like he's, you know, lost in the finals five times like he's Jerry West. It's like, you know, big time failures in round one, round two, round three. Um, and, and playing alongside Kevin Durant and playing alongside Kyrie uh, certainly, you know, takes some of the onus off of Harden. But I mean, there, there's still some pretty major questions to answer there. So, you know, it's not I don't want to talk about the Nets like they're the Warriors going to their fourth straight finals with the same core. No, no, no. I mean, the, the big, you know, KD needs to also stay healthy throughout these playoffs. Like, yeah. if, if, KD, if KD gets hurt, they're done. Like, the, the Harden Kyrie is not carrying this team anywhere. Um, like, KD, at his best, could be the best player in these entire playoffs. But I also just, you know, he's played fewer than half the games this season, and you know, staying healthy for him for four rounds of a playoff run to me is still a pretty big question. So, um, you know, I, I think if all three of those guys are healthy, like it would be pretty tough for even guys like James Harden or Kyrie to, to blow this. But yeah, I, I don't know if we should expect them to be fully healthy for the entire run. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, it hinges on Durant. If, like you said, if he misses, two or three games in a series against Brooklyn or, or even Philly, you know, maybe, maybe that's it for, uh, for the, or against Milwaukee, I should say. Um, that's probably it for the Nets, but all right, we'll wrap it up here. We're presented by WinBet. Go to winbet.com. Check them out. Uh, really glad to be, to be working with a new sponsor. Again, that's WinBet. James, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy your vacation. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones 
who get it done.